Welcome to the T&D podcast brought to you by TomTom. We think you're trucking awesome. You deserve a trucking awesome app. That's why today we're excited to talk about the ultimate trucking companion, TomTom Go Navigation. With premium features designed to make every delivery a breeze, Go Navigation ensures you reach your destination efficiently and stress-free. Hello and welcome back to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by... Niall Barker, again. Hey, and you are broadcasting live from somewhere in the deepest, darkest reaches of Greater London. Yes, I'm in a little hidey hole not too far away from uh, the A13. Oh, nice one. Yeah, I mean, parking's in pretty short supply around that part of the world I guess your alternatives would be around there but the only place you've got kind of officials kind of like Thurrock around there yeah as well there's uh, Thurrock which is awful and then there's uh, it's like worth the price Mm -hmm. yeah so it's good if you've got yourself a nice spot yeah actually the reason that this podcast came about at this point in time was you'd sent me a rather nice picture of the truck sitting beneath a street light wherever you are by the 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 um, moonlight with some street lights in the background, it looked pretty nice and everything like that. So I mean, it was I think it was a couple of weeks ago I spoke to you. I was in the Volvo FH Turbo Compound, and you were as usual in your FH. So what what you been up to over the last couple of weeks? You had any um, good adventures? Yeah, well, uh, I actually saw you in your uh, on the way band coming coming out from Glasgow in an empty curtain side. It was uh, rather. Fun. Oh yes, I did. I saw you on the sixty-nine. Aye, yes, we were on a on a bit of a mission to get home as uh, we usually are. And last week I went out with the flatbed and uh, drop around uh, like Bagshot and Portsmouth, then working my way towards Guildford because I was uh, loading a trailer tire go on the M1, which was lovely. Not. Oh, what happened there? And they just decided it just decided to leave the group chat. Just uh, rattling down the M1 as we do, vis- visualising success, then, uh, you know, music on, then, like, the pause between two songs, I had a rumbling noise, look in the mirror, and the smoke coming out the side of the trail. It's like, oh, I know what that is. Managed to limp it into Corolli Crossing, and then uh, waited for the tire man to turn up. All right, oh, well, thankfully, it didn't explode as such. No, no, it didn't explode, just, uh, well, when the tire guy turned up, he said the yeah, valve stem had broke, so it just, like, deflatedly, and... With the 25 ton of aggregates on it, it didn't last very long. Uh, no, oh dear. Yeah, because it's interesting because when you can get a puncture on a truck tyre, there is such a huge amount of pressure and air in it that if it's just a small puncture, it can actually last like a really long time. But of course, if you've got the valve and all that weight's pressing down on it, it's not going to last for long. But yeah, I guess you've got to chalk it up to could have been worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they say it could have exploded in there. Taking out the wing tops with it and kind of been roiling act, but uh, it is what it is. So we got that sorted and uh, went to go load, load logs near Dorking and then down a tiny, tiny little lane and nearly missed the route into the forest. And then because I nearly missed it, I wasn't prepped up for it. And it's a, it was like a steep jump up on a dirt track and uh, I spun out on the dirt track and couldn't get up it. Then uh, there was an well, there was a phone signal in the compound where we were loading, but there was no phone signal at the entrance of the forest, so I couldn't get hold of the uh, machine driver to come and tow me out. So I had to abandon ship with the trailer half blocking the road and leg it down the trail to go and find him. We managed. We got we got yeah, in. We got loaded, and we, and we got parked. No, nobody died. Oh, good stuff. Uh, it's it, yeah. There's nothing worse than just seeing an entrance for somewhere you need to go into at the last second and you know trying to get in it or missing it. Um, mm. There was one that I did down the borders a while ago, and I just missed it. And the way that the road was set up, I had to do like a ten mile round trip just to get back to where I was before because there was nowhere whatsoever to turn round. Like I say in this podcast quite a lot, nobody makes it easy for you. No, a bit of nice signposting or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did a, I did a couple uh, round Oxford last week with the Curtain Cider, and then the first one it was got up there after winding my way through a village, and it wanted me to turn left. So I, I on a at a crossroads, I couldn't actually turn left, so I had to like go past it, reverse up to the right, and then go straight across it, and then found the entrance to the place. I got into the guy's driveway and the, and the guy come out. It's like, uh, yeah, we're usually reversing because you can't turn around. It's like, oh well, I'm here now. So he had to reverse me back out onto the road and then actually reverse me in the correct way. 
And I did what I did one today, just about going with the Arctic. And uh, I said to the guy there, "It's like, uh, do you usually get Arctic's in here?" It's like, "Oh yeah, but he usually has a short trailer." I'm like, "Oh well, I'm here now." Same old thing. Yeah, it's absolute. It's absolute sod's law. I mean, I I usually if I'm not sure of somewhere, I'll always try and phone ahead with things, because I can absolutely guarantee that if I go somewhere and you're supposed to reverse in. I'll have driven in, and if you're supposed to go straight in, I'll have mucked about and reversed in. I'll more often than not probably get it the wrong way around. Yes, it's always the way. If I'm if I'm going to a new place, I always have to take at least one wrong turning. I don't, I don't know why. It's never like two or three, it's up, but I always manage to do the one. <laughs> it, it comes comes a part of my work doing the doing the garden centre stuff. I mean, it's it's interesting. It beats sitting at an RDT for hours, but you know it keeps. Keeps you on your toes, and then uh, that Oxford one I did, like I said to the guy, I said, how do I get out? Because I can't go through the village. It's like, oh yeah, you go out that way, but then uh, don't take this turning because there's a 12-foot bridge. Like, good to know. You have to go this way, and that was like single-track road, mirrors brushing the hedges. Like, uh, he definitely said go this way, so, but uh, we, we, made, we made it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of places like that that are like, like big factories and things that are down like a tiny country lane. It's like the guy originally had a small holding many years ago, built his house there, and this factory is like built up. I've been to quite a few of them recently where you're turning down it and it's like a single track path down by houses and then it opens up and there's this big car park and offices and a warehouse and you're thinking, how, is, how has this been built up? They must have been built like years ago because there's no way you would get planning into places like that now. Uh, I'm just like, if I didn't know that I specifically had to be going down here, there's no way I would be taking a lorry down the, these sort of roads. I'd like to know, if anybody's listening to the podcast, let us know some really unlikely locations for where there are um, businesses. I was at a couple with Broughton's last year. There was a bottled water place off the A3 that was away up a hill in the back of beyond. In fact, then there was another one for Broughton's as well. I ended up down a little country path somewhere to go into a place that took a whole load of pallets off us. Yeah, it's weird. And then you you get the Americans on YouTube going, I don't understand why you guys don't have like bonneted trucks. What you got these cab over things? And I'm like, you would not. So some of those uh, conventional like big trucks like that, you wouldn't get them out the out the bloody yard. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, plenty like that we do. There's uh, a mill that I used that I used to go to with the tipper. He was take wheat into there in uh, in uh, Nottingley. Now that I've said Nottingley, everyone knows where it is and it's like right behind the houses. So you you know, going through the town opens up into this big mill. It's been there since the since the since dinosaurs were roaming around it. And then uh, you can't go out the same way just in case other wagons they have to go out a different way, which is okay normally, but like if you come if you're unlucky you have to go out of there at like half three, four o'clock when the school's chucking out, you're you're gonna you're gonna meet a few angry locals and it's like, well uh. the, you bought a house next to a mill, you know. Ah, that's it. The the mill was there first. Yeah, the school run is uh, often some of the most difficult times of the difficult times of the day. I don't understand why. The more expensive the car seems to be, the more torn-faced and impatient the driver is. Uh, quite often, like in, enormous SUVs with people like mounting curbs and just. Why only anger? When I was at school back in a day, when I was a lad back in the 80s and 90s, we all walked to school. And I'm not talking like walking to school like miles, but people take their kids to school like a distance of like 400 metres in the car these days. And you're like, well, even if you don't want them to walk alone, things being the way they are, you could always get off your arse and walk them in there as well. But, you know, it's all it's all changed times. Yeah, yeah. I used, well, I, I live like across the road and then like uh, down a down a ginnel to where I where I went to school when I was little. It's like you know, I always used to walk there on a reg- on a regular day, but then say like we had a we had a function at school and they, they wouldn't let me leave. It's like, oh no, your parents need to pick you up. It's like you can you can see my house from here. Like you can stand at the door and watch me walk home. It's fine. <laughs> uh, well I tell you something that's been in the news in general. I don't know if you've seen this, but there was a bus driver who was tragically killed uh, up in Elgin in the north of Scotland. And there's been a lot of violence against bus drivers going on. And I hadn't realised that a while ago, the Scottish government decided to give free unlimited bus travel to like under 21s, might even be 22s. So what has happened is basically all the buses have been turned into mobile gang huts. 
So you've got all these kids who, I mean, you know what it's like when you're a teenager, you've got nowhere to go and nothing to do. So you're like kicking about, you know, around the back of the community centre or down the park or whatever. It's cold, it's windy, it's raining. But now you can go on a bus and sit on it all night, every night. So these buses have have become no-go areas for normal people wanting to get where they're going and use public transport. And a lot of the buses are now not going to certain areas because they've got to pick up these like well chavs or neds or, or what have you. I think that's I think that's just nuts. Apart from anything else, how much is it is it costing? And I just you know a bit of solidarity with our fellow drivers, those poor guys in those buses. Can you imagine having to sit and put up with that like all night? Because they all go on adventures now. They go to the next few towns over because they know they're guaranteed to get back, and they go and like have a fight, cause some trouble, and disappear again. Like, what on earth is I don't, as far as I know, that's not done anywhere else apart from Scotland, but it's absolutely ludicrous. Yes, and uh, well, I'm in, uh, I'm in, I'm in a group chat with a few uh, transporty types, and like there's wagon drivers and bus drivers in there, and like the uh, the bus and coach drivers in there. It's like, yeah, we're, anything we hear is like, you know, people between the ages of 16 and 21 because they just can't be trusted. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Like how they've given them, I mean, how much is this costing apart from anything else to go and do that? But yeah, it says a teen has been charged in court, 15 years old, with the murders. Murders and speech marks on this column, so I don't know why they've done that. I guess it must be alleged, but has they been charged for it or not? Yeah, a 15 year old's been charged with murdering that poor bus driver. Um, cannot be named for legal reasons, remanded in custody. No doubt there'll be a load of um, hand ringers making uh, a load of excuses for him as well for any of that. But that's all just comes about because buses are now used for mobile gang hats, unfortunately. Uh, we should be uh, should be glad that our loads, well, unless you're on livestock, won't generally talk back to you, as far as you know. Or if you've got one sneaked in on the way over to Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a uh, half... Half the reason why I, I prefer driving wagons. I mean, I've, I've debated once or twice get, getting my bus license, but then it's like, well, I, I don't have the temperament to drive a bus. I, I will I will be the one that loses his mind and goes on a rampage around my local area. Mm. I could see, like, maybe coach driving. I know that uh, Luke uh, Vernon, who um, uh, writes the odd column for T&D, was part of Team T&D. He's qualified as a coach driver. And I think coach driving could potentially be all right. There is a bit of crossover between trucks and coaches, buses, driving around those same urban routes all day, dealing with, you know, the horrible teenagers, dealing with the urban roads constantly. And a double-decker doesn't seem like a nice sort of thing to drive, but some of those luxury coaches, you know, they're built on Volvo or Scania chassis, and they look they look pretty nice. Like, my mum and dad... Uh, I've been uh, winding them up because of this. They've started going on like senior citizen coach tours. I mean, my mum's um, 70 in April and my dad's 75, but I'm like, you are going to be the youngest people on this. They're going to be like, it's going to be like people who are like 90, 100 years old and all this. You are going to be like the unruly teenagers <laughs> equivalent. I was thinking that, that bus leaves. Uh, from Hull and goes to Rotterdam and then it runs all the way down Italy for like a nice long coach tour full of the old pensioners and everything. That, as far as I can work out, there's obviously upsides and downsides to jobs, but that sounds like it must be all right. Can't it be, can't it be that bad with it? Well, the old dears and uh, that, you probably get some decent tips off them as well. You know, stick the, stick the hat out and if you're a nice courteous driver, uh, then they might well um, might well tip you, and of course the bus is going to have a toilet on it as well. So, and there, I would imagine they would use it responsibly and probably quite often because when you get to that age, you know, otherwise you'd be stopping every twenty minutes. But uh, I don't know if I was looking for something alternative in driving. That doesn't look too bad. But then again, is it something that you get? Uh, there'll be the cream jobs and coaches because obviously you could get football teams and. Like um, uh, bands and uh, groups and, and things. So I don't know if you have to work your way into stuff like that. I really don't know. Is there a coach driver podcast? We should look that up and find out. Maybe we'll find I, don't, out. I don't know. I mean, well, I'm uh, good mates with a lad. He uh, used to drive coaches regularly. He's uh, moved on to wagons now, and I think he wants to drive. He's uh, doing his studies to try and drive trains as, as well. He's just doing everything. But then uh, he used to go to Paris quite regularly, like a luxury coach. 
ghost trip and like you know apart from driving around the uh the triumph and like batting away the angry french people he was he was quite precious about his parent work as anyone would be it was you know it, it wasn't too bad mm. Mm. then like you know then and then the, then on like the same card like you could get back from paris and then it's like oh you've got to do a rail replacement it's like like oh wow angry commuters lovely yeah positives advantages to being a coach driver i know that train driving as um, Scott Rail announced they were recruiting train drivers, and when people found out what the salary was, there were thousands and thousands of applications for that. Because uh, again, I don't know if, how cushy train driving is. I mean, it's on rails, so you don't have to back it in places, and there really shouldn't be any cyclists to deal with or things like that. You know, I don't know. You'd think a train would be able to um, pretty much run itself, but I, I guess you would have to be on hand and alert for those moments when you do need to inter interject with things. I, I, I don't know, but a train driving I think is quite complex and difficult to get into. I may be wrong. I've never looked into it. It's certainly, there was a guy turned up on one of the forums once and said, I'm a train driver and I would like to get into lorry driving. And he kind of got laughed off all the that forum because I'm like, you must be off your head, mate. How much are you earning a year? And he was like, oh, you know, I'm on like 65 grand plus benefits. And they're like, yeah, okay. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I say there is a, a lot of benefits to train driving, but then uh, you also get the uh, melons that decide to walk in front of you. Oh, yeah, well, that's one of the things for public transport drivers. That, well, lorry drivers get it as well. We did the article about suicide support with Rick Wenham from the Metropolitan Police. And, of course, yeah, you get people walking in front of trains, and that can be extremely grisly and upsetting for the people involved, especially the, the driver. Um, that's put people off driving for life. Okay. Do, do you think there would be any mileage in doing an article in the magazine about other driving jobs that aren't driving a lorry. How many could we get? Because you've got bus, coach, but you don't drive a plane. Let's say that's going to be... Yeah, that's not. Technically, do you drive a plane? A boat? Do you drive, You sail a ship? Do you mm. drive a boat? I'm going to say yes. Yeah. You could drive I uh, hardly think the uh, rapport that Reed and Listen to Truck and Driver are going to be uh, jumping on a 380 Airbus anytime soon. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have thought so. Although I do quite enjoy the some of the um, aviation YouTubers that are. Uh, it gives you it gives you a really good insight into um, aeroplanes uh, and how the safety aspect of it and how yeah, I mean it's incredible what the technology in the planes, but also the roles that the pilots play because these guys can. The times when they really have to earn their money is when it's like you're getting a crazy crosswind and you see the thing sort of crabbing in and it just sort of plops in the runway. It's uh, really um, clever stuff because when something goes wrong, wrong on that, when it starts flashing lights at you and everything, you can't just pull into the next uh, services, whatever, and find out what it, what it is. Uh, yeah, I, mean, you know, I guess excavators, you could drive an excavator or a loading shovel. Mm, yeah, there's a uh, very well. There's quite a bit, and like even even wagon driving itself. Like there's uh, still many aspects to wagon driving. I mean, you know, people all all the people I've known that don't like it, they're all on like general and RDC kind of things. But it's like you know, I've got good, good friends of mine. I mean, one of them's on fridges, but he 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 don't really mind. He he does anything, and then uh, another one, he's uh, he does uh, digestive tankers for a farming business, and it's like he's to coin the phrase, he's as happy as a pig in shit. Sometimes, literally. <laughs> yeah, but that's the other great good thing about lorry driving is, in general, you might be a little bit limited depending on where you are in the country and what the economy's uh, um, doing, but there's enormous variety in trucks, we've mentioned it many times on the podcast, so yeah, being able to drive something and do something is quite a good thing generally to be able to do, because people need stuff and like you say all the shenanigans that we get up to day by day and everyone when they're talking oh AI is going to take over and drive the trucks and no it isn't no it isn't AI can't run down a road to go and find uh, where uh, we Jimmy the shovel driver has to go and help out with, with so many other things like that so, yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, the same as today I've done the I'll drop around Kent today. I uh, I was up the road yesterday and I uh, made it to Coney Garth. So I ran in from Coney Garth this morning, loaded up, come down, got got me four drops off, and uh, 
and uh, well, running from uh, Folkestone to Broadstairs, I went, you know, right, right down by the docks at Dover, and then instead of going into the port, like swung around and uh, went up the infamous ramp as you're coming out of the port, and it's like I've, I've always wanted to drive up this ramp. I've always wanted to take the wagon up this ramp. I mean, I mean, there were plenty waiting for the dock, and it's just like you know, nice, nice to look at. And I mean, now you. I'm supposed to be loading out of this spot that I'm parked near at, da- at Dagenham, but then uh, I got shafted on the M2, so I uh, made it made it here with the uh, seconds to spare on a 10 hour, which is rather annoying. But it's like, well, I still got to go around Dover Dog, so that's something. Oh, that's, all right, I have seen those. There's bits of that are um, in Euro Truck Simulator. Quite a few bits of Dover. I think I've been in, I've been on and off the train in a lorry a couple of times. Um, but not a lot. That was with Daft that I went and did that back in 2019. Yeah. Um, I say I've still, I've still, I've been offered it. Offered, do you want to go out and do a bit of European work? Because um, uh, I, I don't know. I'm still, um, I'm still a little bit dubious because of the way that um, I get myself into silly situations these these days. But I am. Yeah, well, I say I've spoken about the Volvo a couple of times on the podcast, the 460. TC that I had, I'm writing that up in the moment for the next issue, but my next truck is a Scania 560S Super Tag Axle courtesy of Jared Griffiths at Scania, so that will be a very nice bit of equipment mm, Yes, be a bit of, bit of an upgrade from, a, from that one, although the uh, the 460 that, that we had a couple of years back, that, that, were, that were a good wagon, I, I like that one The 460, the turbo compound? Yeah, it was, yeah, it were Turbo compound, but rather than the buttons on the dash, I had the uh, proper proper eye shift lever, so I actually had like manual control, and I didn't have power mode. I just like had the eco and normal, but like to have manual, it was it was decent enough. Yeah, you don't you don't really need power mode. I would I would have said with that four sixty, the eye save was uh, the it's forty four tons, forty plus is too much for it running up hills. It's such a uh, a rigid set of parameters that it's got built into it to run and attempt to do this fuel economy thing, which in certain certain scenarios, it's going to get you an amazing fuel return. But to my mind, it takes too much away from the driver in terms of what what it's locked out from you. But if I was sitting running a haulage company, uh, down somewhere where I've got to go and run trucks back and forth to the same spot all day and I've got different drivers on them all the time and I look at the fuel economy figures and I can see that some drivers are much better than others then I can see why you would be looking for an equaliser if you can't, you know, if you've tried doing training, you've tried to use telematics in the correct and positive way to try and, you know, get your fleet running um, efficiently then perhaps you would be tempted to look at going well you know what you're just not allowed to muck about the gears at all you can sit and trundle on but the key with the turbo compound is that it's got so much torque that it shouldn't really need to change down gear but I found that it was just too much too much on those types of hills in the A1M and the M6 A66 A69 it was it was a bit too much for it. If, however, it had the normal gear settings as what your one had, then it would have been absolutely fine. It would have been spot on. Once I've spoken to guys who've got 500 turbo compounds and they absolutely love them. So they, they pull superbly and so as they should. They've got 2,800 newton metres of torque. Yeah. So it'll be, interesting to see who, it'll be interesting to see who gets some aero models, which is the aerodynamic front end we talked about, which is optional costs you a bit extra to have that, but then you'll have to set it against what fuel economy savings you may potentially get. Um, depends on the trailers you're pulling, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, that one we had, it wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't overly slow. I mean, coming, you know, coming over, coming over Stainmore with the uh, 27 ton of aggregate on, you could, uh, you could tell when it got tired, like you can tell where that extra 40 horsepower had gone, but it, you know, I'm like, general sort of mid-range work I reckon it could hold its own against the, the 500 I mean if if my gaffer was to buy one he'd probably the turbo compound he'd probably get a 500 because we are on full weight work all the time so it's you know nice to have that bit that's on top of the job yeah well I was speaking to um, a hollier last week um, and I won't reveal who this is he went and bought um, a batch of 460 turbo compounds again this doesn't have the full iSave package so he's got the gear lever. He doesn't have the buttons oh. that I had that with the lockout. So he bought the 460s and he said to the dealer, 
He said, see those four six-day badges, just keep them, don't put them in the truck. Because he knew that putting them in, if there were four six-days, the drivers would see them and go, hmm, four six-day, I'm not that keen on that. So he left the badges off, didn't say anything about what they were. And there were guys coming in going, oh, they're, they're great, they pull great for a 500. They aren't running at full weight, those guys, right enough, like a medium weight sort of haulage stuff. But it just goes to show you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's a, not really so much as a, a slow wagon anymore. I mean, if you get like a, a wing Cantons or a Turners with a 430 MAN on, on a powder tanker, you're going to be like, well, you know, we did, we did that 20 years ago, but time's moved on. Yeah, you don't, you don't see too much of that. You see the occasional DAF, um, like an 11 litre, um, on a tractor unit, usually as powder tankers where they're trying to max the max it out and of course it's running half the time empty and they're not time sensitive those trucks so you can kind of trundle right down that low but yeah you don't you, you very often see anything sort of mid 400s and the, these days although to be to be fair that 460 turbo compound the Scania Super 460 is an absolute gem of an engine that is that really pulls well for what it is. So I'm excited to see what the 560 goes like. It will have V8-esque performance, but then again, it does have a V8-esque price tag. Um, although it should be superior on fuel. I'm hearing that they're very heavy on AdBlue, but that's just what comes with getting an awful lot of power out. Some of these engines you're going to need to use a bit more of things like that. Now, I believe um, I'll be running that truck for Broughton Transport for Toby. Which is um, which is good because I left a car down at Toby's last summer when I went and bought a Corsa from Copart and I abandoned my Vectra CDX in his yard so I will have to go back down and get it. So that's part of my thinking there. I'll go and multitask and go and drive the Scania for a week. And of course, um, the company I was driving the Volvo Turbo Compound for is AED Transport, um, who I was... Uh, Sad to say, went into administration um, last week. We are recording this on the 13th of February, so when you get this, it will be a week on down the line, so main developments. But um, I, I really like uh, AAD, Alan David that runs the place. Great place to work for. Uh, get on great with everybody that's in there. They've got great kit. They've got a fantastic yard at Kerry Muir, and they are... Uh, they're uh, very, very busy with things. The company is still being run by the administrators and they are uh, very hopeful that they're going to have um, somebody come in and invest in the business because it just shows you how incredibly difficult um, road transport is at this moment in time when you've got fleets who are, you know, they are they are busy. The trucks aren't parked up. They're running all the time, but it's just... The way that costs have gone through the roof, and particularly interest rates as well in recent times, it's, there's such a variety of factors across affecting such a broad spectrum of haulers. That, um, yeah, it's uh, some uncertain times, but I'm really uh, fingers crossed for um, AED and everybody else that's in the same, uh, the other guys that are in the same sort of um, ship at the moment, that they can um, uh, continue because it's a lot of hard work's going into building up these companies as well, and they've got great, so a lot of great people working for them as well. Yeah, uh, it, seems, it seems to be every week now that uh, certain hollies that have been going for years and years and years that have uh, somehow just hit, hit a wall, although, you know, it could have been a down, down, downward spiral. Yeah, but I I think as a, as a broad, looking at the really big picture, I'm going back a few years here, I think the whole move with the, the ultra-low emission zone threats, now remember, I've talked about it a lot, but a lot of these ultra-low emission zones never came into being, or they only came into being very recently, and they all specifically excluded Euro 5 trucks. There was Euro 4 as well, but Euro 4 only seemed to be about for about 10 minutes. And that exclusion of all those Euro 5 trucks wiped the value off them overnight. Uh, and it continues to cause issues to this day with guys who've got Euro 5s uh, with specialist bodywork, like rigid removal vehicles, recovery trucks, uh, vacuum tankers that only go into these ULES zones for a very short period of time. And they don't do it all that often, but they're not, uh, they can be fined or they're just simply not allowed in at all. I think that had a really uh, fundamental effect on things because guys are having to get rid of trucks way before they should have done. 
and it also they had to take a hit in the values of them as well. But if you go back, when did you pass your test? Uh, Twenty nineteen. Ah, so you, well, you were driving pre-pandemic, just at the kind of the, the last uh, the last crumbs of normality before everything went really weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I got my, yeah, passed my Arctic test in March 2019 and got my first job at the range in April, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, when I, I passed my test in 2010, uh, 2011 was Arctic. And back, I mean, that's not that, not that long ago, really. But back then, it seemed to be so much more common for all this variety of companies that either have older trucks, like it would be normal for companies to keep a truck for 10 years uh, it would be you know a lot of companies would keep trucks for their entire lifespan you know they would run tippers until they were they were uh, basically done there would be no second owner for them apart from maybe if, if they went abroad or they would be parted out to keep other ones going and a lot of guys were running second hand trucks it would be very common that you might have some flagships in the fleet for the guys that were away all week, but if you were running around locally, you might have an old premium. You, you know, you might have a vo- like a, a Volvo FM or a, a lot of daft CFs. CFs were everywhere. Um, like trunk motors weren't particularly fancy, and it's now everybody's really. Put, I mean, you could argue that it's progress in a lot of ways. It's good progress. You've you've now got um, so many everything as. 500 horsepower plus biggest um, cab because a lot of it's down to residual values as well and you don't want to deviate from things and a lot of stuff has it gets changed over quite regularly because I think people are concerned about the complexity of these newer trucks as well. You started off, it was a Volvo FH3 that you had, that's what you had before that. Uh, before, before this current one, yeah, for then uh, my first truck I... Yeah. First truck I had uh, allocated to make my first job. That was uh, that was a gas CF, like a CF four fifty full on supermarket spec. Compare, I reckon. That, I mean, obviously, DAF are selling an awful lot of trucks, but you just don't see anywhere near as many CF type tractor units on on work anymore. Um, and I wonder how many, because an FH three is a very rare sight on the road these days. And I wonder if it wasn't for all this Eulers nonsense, how many guys would still be running more sort of FH threes? Am I am I wrong with this? Am I looking at this through rose tinted nostalgia? But I think that there are a lot of guys out there who'd have liked to be able to run stuff for longer. Uh, I was at a place last week. They had just restored an immaculate Scania one six four five eighty top line for low loader work absolutely beautiful thing wouldn't do a very high mileage because it's only just running about sites and things like that um, it is literally it is within yards of the ULES zone and London direct vision standard uh, when you actually go around London I don't know how many of you out there are really familiar with London as in greater London inside the M25 you'd be amazed at how leafy and f- how much farmland and empty space there is there? I mean, you'll you'll know it yourself. Some of the bits that you go in, it's like it's like being out in the countryside. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say once you get to like the northwest a bit, like uh, I've done. Well, we we have it. I'm gonna say I delivered to Finchley quite a while back, and it's like it's it's you know, like something something akin to a village up my way. It's like this is just a village in the middle of nowhere. Like you you wouldn't think that you're actually in inside the orbital. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And that Scania is now useless. They can't use it. They had to go away and invest in a completely different brand new so a Euro 6 truck to replace that vehicle, which had just been restored and would have many, many years of life left to give on it because it's just inside this ultra-low emission zone. That's, um, it, it was just fields as far as you could see. It was just None of it makes... Uh, any sense and I do wonder obviously there's a, a huge variety of factors that has massively increased costs and haulage has always had to deal with some sort of challenges uh, there or the other but I do, I do wonder that's been one that I've been thinking about a lot a lot this week that you know older trucks you just don't see you don't see that many trucks anymore that are like sort of about 10 years old so uh, you do 
uh, in certain areas. I noticed when I was down in Cambridge, I was sort of running about there was container lorries. Sort of, you'd see a few old XFs and a few kind of old Australises bobbing about doing that sort of stuff, but not on a kind of a bigger, a bigger level as such. Mm. Uh, and I, I do, I do. I do wonder, oh, and what, in fact, one of the main things I wanted to mention on the podcast was that I found, I discovered there is an exporter that is currently cutting up 18-plate DAFs to send them away as spares to Africa. Now, these Euro 6 trucks are Euro 6 Step C. They have the tracks and gearbox in it, the MX-13 530 and 480 engines. These are, these are trucks that are six years old. They've had one owner, and they're now being chopped up for spares and being sent away to Africa. And I know it officially says spares, but I'm pretty sure they'll all be once they're out the containers, they'll all be welded back together again into one piece. Where of course they'll have all the emissions equipment removed from them. And you've got to think. If a lorry's, if the engine's worn out in a lorry of that age, surely you should just replace the engine. We shouldn't be buying so replacing trucks at such a phenomenal rate because it can't be really, truly sustainable, is it? That's like the Americans can run trucks for 30-odd years because they keep repowering the engine. And I thought, isn't that, isn't that crazy? Six years old, all that technology, and it's being cut up and sent somewhere else. How how does that make any make any sense? If somebody could explain explain that, it's not right. No, I mean, you can say that's the well, that, that may or may not be. Uh, we we'll, we talked earlier on, maybe not half the reason why half these big firms are going out. Cause it's like I mean, then I don't think many people buy trucks anymore. It's like you know, you get your eighteen place, they're on lease for three years, yeah. then you get like another batch of you know twenty twenty one place, and you know by the time you. By the time you've paid them off or leased them, it's like, all right, we'll, we'll renew them again. It's like no one actually like buys things anymore. No, and with, I think a lot of guys would like to be able to be in a position to do that, but it's not viable to go and, viable to, to go and do it. It's been made more difficult. And I've, I've noticed as well with inflation, the, the supermarkets in January have really gone and wrapped a good few more pence on pretty much everything. And is that going to be reflected in the money that the farmers get? Is that going to be reflected in the money that the hauliers bet? I'm going to say that it's like not. So something's got to change in amongst all, the, all of that, but there's been far too much going on for so long where the customer dictates the rates to the hauler rather than the hauler being able to say this is how much it takes to do this job uh, but then again we can, we can go down the rabbit hole of a million and one things You're listening to the Trucking Driver Podcast brought to you by TomTom. The TomTom Go Navigation offers a specific set of truck features. You can set your cargo and truck dimensions for specific routes so you can drive confidently on suitable roads, making every journey efficient and reliable. Truck yeah. On a more positive note, I've got a date in a diary for something that looks good, which you might also be going to as well. I'll give you the date. Saturday, 20th of April. 20th of April. Hmm? I don't know, I've got nothing booked in April. I was going to say either Trugfest or uh, Kelsall. Uh, no, it is Sandbatch Festival of Transport. Ah, I, uh, I, haven't heard, I haven't heard about that one before. Well, it sounds good. I'm, I'm, guess, I'm guessing it's to do with uh, old British things made mostly of plastic. Uh, yeah, well, technically, uh, technically, yes. I mean, the Alpha isn't <laughs> uh, yes, I got made aware of this today because our social media uh, lady uh, Katie said she lives near Sandbach, so she mentioned she mentioned this, and I was like, "Ooh, okay, let's have a look." Celebrating the town's transport heritage with the main event, a variety of vehicles from classic cars to modern classics, trucks, play, planes, okay, must be small planes, and everything in between. Apply to drive. Now you can apply to drive at this. Uh, bring your vehicle. Sandbatch Transport Festival offers the opportunity for transport enthusiasts to showcase their pride and joy. 
Uh, on Saturday, we celebrate our ERF stroke Foden heritage. On Saturday, we will be solely focusing on our town's transport heritage and showcasing a large fleet of well-preserved ERF and Foden trucks. The festival will combine four components to ensure entertainment for the whole family. That's uh, transport, live music, uh, including acts such as Henry Miles, John Stevens, Jordan Samantha Yates, as well as our headline tribute acts, John Bovey, Smink, and uh, Mreddy Threrkery. Uh, didn't really call that. Uh, family, uh, suitable for all the family, and there is food as well as alcoholic beverages. So there you go, it's at the Commons, Congleton Road, Sandbatch, Cheshire, and there's an email address there. I'm going to go to that. You should take your ERF if you're free. Yeah, I shall uh, look into that. So I'm uh, still still uh, looking at the diary for uh, shows. I've got Press Lincoln, which is uh, a definite me and the. Uh, me and, a, me and a few from the from the clan will be heading down there. Trogfest Lincoln is that the main one now? Yeah, now uh, now Peterborough's gone. I mean, it's it's actually handier for us because it's it's an hour closer to home for uh, all of us lot, so it's actually kind of handy. Mm-hmm. Midday bank holiday weekend, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm uh, go, going to that one. I believe I'm going to Kelsall again this year, and then uh, just uh, work working out things for like uh, July and August. Just like maybe be most of like uh, steam rallies and uh, tractor rallies, so uh, the uh, the new trailer will be uh, getting getting a shake down with the tractors on. Ooh, nice one! Yeah, well, then uh, well, I actually took the RF out on the weekend. I haven't driven it for about three weeks, and needed uh, to. Uh, well, what else does one do when he's bored on a Sunday afternoon? So I just went for a run around the block in it. You know, got got everything wound up. Behaving? Yeah, yeah, she's behaving. Still, still going. Still has the. Uh, ERF things where when you start it up the rev counter doesn't work and all the lights on the dash go but as soon as you rev it up and start going it like all the electrics fire into life and it's like no that's just a, it's like is it meant to do that it's like yeah it's just an ET thing like, okay yeah, it's, like it's just voltage I think it needs to get maybe just when the alternator kicks in and it starts giving it that sort of maybe 26 volts or whatever it, it needs to kind of awaken it from its um, slumber perhaps yeah well, it's, it's, well because it's the uh, what does it because it's the big cam one, when I start it, when it's cold, I don't think it's actually spinning fast enough to actually charge on the charge gauge. It's like just under 24, but then once, give it five minutes when it actually fires into life and runs properly, then it actually charges up normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, just, it's just ERF things. Yeah, it's a case for a lot of things like that. Yeah, truck first linking. I'd better actually start jotting down some notes because um, with me being editor at large now um, I I didn't go to uh, I really said last year was back to normal but I still didn't really do my um, full complement of truck shows that I was supposed to be going to I am going to be doing truck fest north east or something because transport it was our sister magazine transport news Scotland which also covers the north of England sort of like north of the Pennines wanted me to go to that uh, when's Kelso? That you that clashes with something for me every year. I don't know. I'd assume it's at the end of June because that's when it was last year. I'll, I'll quick, I'll quick look it up now. Uh, so Lincoln's like uh, the, the, the big truck fest, and it's going to be super exciting because it's the first one at this new venue. Yeah, and for uh, you've got Lincoln, Northeast, West Midlands, Scotland, Southeast, Wales, Southwest, Northwest, original. Yeah, it's 20, 22nd and uh, 23rd of June is uh, Calc all this time around. What other shows should we go to, dear listeners? Give us a shout, let us know, because uh, mm. yeah, I've got Truckfest North East on the 1st and 2nd of June. I've been asked to go to that, so I will. Yeah, there is a... I do believe there's another truck show happening in uh, Driftfield. It's the weekend after the Steam Rally in August, which I think will be good, because well, it's been a good few years since they had a truck show at Driftfield, so it'd be, be nice to have that again. All right. Yeah, because there's a few shows that, that there was a few good shows that were popular that have kind of fell by the wayside. There was that one at Thursk. Was that that was always a popular one? Steve, oh, sorry, Chris Madison goes on about that. Um, a lot of the he always really liked that show. So. Yeah, yeah. Never managed to take a wagon to Thursk. I only ever went as a as a normal member of the public. Then this one at 
This one at uh, Driffield, I think it's been organised by one of the one of the Facebook pages. It's not the Swiftass Group; it's another one whose name currently escapes me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still on a uh, I'm still on a Facebook hiatus. I haven't looked at anyone on Facebook for a couple of years, and I'm not really for my job. But what can I say? I've got PTSD. <laughs> I've got Facebook PTSD from finding it, finding out things about relationships that are not best found out in Facebook. That's happened twice, so uh, I just I, I I can't go into I can't go into Facebook without getting a cold sweat coming on that I'm going to read something truly appalling, even though I won't because there's no reason for it to be there. But you know, that's it. Find it. Uh, people are always like, did you see that on Facebook? I'm like, no, no, I didn't. Too much stuff, too much of life is running Facebook, I think, and social media, but that's just me being an old fart there. Plenty of, old, plenty of much older guys uh, spend their whole lives on Facebook, and more alarmingly, TikTok. You got a TikTok? Yes, I do. I spend, I, I spend way too much time on it. Ah, you're allowed. You're, you're like a Generation Z or whatever, isn't you? You're not even a millennial. Or are you? No, I I just squeaked into that. I'm 1998. Ah. I'm, I'm the I'm, I'm I'm the one before the generation that everybody judges. <laughs> so I, I have to let I have to let people know. And when it says, "Are you young?" It's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm just out of that." May not look like it, but I can assure you, I just am. <laughs> oh well. What have you? So what have you? What have you got planned for the rest of the week? Then you're in sunny, you're in the sunny southeast at the moment. Yeah. Because you do get about, you do get about everywhere on that job. You know, it's quite sounds like a sounds like a, a good job for a marauding, adventuring young lorry driver. That you get to go to all sorts of different places. That's what you want. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I can I can see where I'm loading out of in the morning, so I can load in there and uh, take some uh, stuff up to Leeds and probably do a do a local or something. So I was away last night and then I'm away tonight again, so uh, tomorrow I'll probably be home and then uh, maybe away again Thursday, Friday, so, which, yeah. which I, I, don't, I don't mind too much. I mean, I've, I've been away all week a couple, a couple of times with it, but then usually I'm home once or twice in the week, which for me is perfectly fine. Last week I had the flatbed on and then, this, like I say, this, this place where I'm at now is pretty much perfect. Like, you know, I do a bit of flat, a bit of tipper, a bit of tanker, but it's like, I mean, no. I'd say, I'd say the general what we do is is my favourite bit, but it's uh, you know nice to change now and again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good that. Yeah, I'll have to work out uh, myself what I'm going to do because I'll do that. I'll do that a week with Broughtons with that Scania. Then I'll have to see because I've got that would leave me March and April. Oh, I'm away to Alicante in April. Booked four days. Gonna get away. I'm looking forward to that. Of course, in April as well, it is the Volvo. Um, event where they're going to let us loose in these new aero trucks uh, on Greek roads. Unfortunately, it's flying in very early in the morning and then flying back out late the next. So it's a kind of blink and you'll miss it ad- adventure in Greece. But all the same, uh, that'll be that'll be really good. Uh, so I'll have to work out April, uh, March and April, what trucks and what work I can do around that sort of time because in May. I am going to um, Shuttleworth with um, Joe Ashton and I'm going to learn how to do tanker things so I can be like you mm. and Joe. Yes, I think you'll... Add that to, add that to my bow. So, uh, yeah, because they've got a load of holid- guys going on holiday around that time so I can come in and cover some holidays for a week. I'll have to go in and get some induction done on the tankers. But, yeah, that's I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if I'd be, uh, get a demonstrator unit in to go and... Uh, do that. Having said that, they have got some some old twelve speed manual kind of early Euro six DAF XFs, and part of me is like, oh, just you know, it'd be great just to go and spend a week in a, a week in a manual. See how I get, see how I get on, see how I get on with that. I think that would be quite nice. But obviously, if I can get a demonstrator lorry to go and uh, check out and do some coverage on it, then I'll obviously need to do that. But I've got yeah. There's a DAF. I think there's a DAF XF, you know, the mid-sized cab, and there's a Renault 480 Turbo Compound to try as well. And then by that point into the summer, there should be some sort of Volvo arriving for me to put through its paces as well. I'd really like to get my hands on an MAN TGX. That would be a good one to try. 
but I'll just have to see who's got who's got one. What else is there? I've, I've driven all the Ivecos until the new one comes in, and Mercedes Benz. Uh, not interested in driving one of them. Yeah, I'm gonna say the uh, well, from what I've seen about the Merc, seem to be dropping off, and the ones that I've seen, the like uh, they've they've actually actually got mirrors on. I mean, I did see one. It was a. I did see one. He had a container on along the M4, and he had a he had a mirror on the driver's side, and then cameras on the passenger side because his mirror cam had obviously knacked up. Well, the the, the um the, the thing Mercedes were selling a huge amount of trucks in all over the place, particularly in Scotland back ten years ago. End of Euro five, start of Euro six. The new Actros MP4 came out, stunning looking thing really futuristic and everywhere had them it was the first truck that could consistently get 10 miles per gallon in certain circumstances and it was ahead of everybody else's on fuel it handled like a block of flats and it had a clunky gearbox but it was otherwise it was spacious and it was it was good in fuel so they sold loads of them immensely popular and now they don't they've hardly got any dealer network at all in scotland like western pulled out i don't know what's going on with the politics there but yeah you just don't see as many Mercedes Benzes as you as you used to uh, anymore and the mirror cam like you mentioned the mirror cam thing there like that's across even up here the majority of DAFs I see unless it's part of a big fleet it's got mirrors on it and I think that trend's going to continue even with Volvo having this infrared system on it which could be interesting every holiday I go to when I talk to about mirror cam the answer is usually a flat no. We don't want it because of the technology and uh, involved with it. Um, it's too much hassle. There's drivers that have got medical certificates to say that they can't use them. They're not popular. And it's a very complicated bit of technology to replace something that is otherwise very simple, even though they, they are keep improving them and, and getting better. It's uh, quite, te- quite telling. And if you go and look at the post... The posts about the, the Volvo mirror cam stuff it is 95% vehemently against it. That's not me, that's the people posting. They are, there is a, just such severe driver resistance to this particular piece of technology. Um, so I think for the hauliers, it's just more hassle hassle than it's, um, than it's worth. Um, like a lot of the comment, you know. Any new truck that you post about, there's always a load of negative and like smart, funny comments on it. The Volvo got a lot of positive comments overall, but the mirror cams just for most people it's like no, 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 no. And I don't know how you overcome resistance to that level beyond just making the thing standard, but you can't really do that because there's situations where you wouldn't want it to be. So I'll be interested to see what the take up is on the the the, the Volvo. Um, I would imagine you'll still see a fair number of them with mirrors on them and there'll be guys who take the mirror cam system and will be absolutely delighted with it and they'll never go back to using mirrors again. Yeah, I know it's uh, not... It's not like the Volvo mirrors get overly in the way. It's like, you know, you've got the... You've got got the two bits of glass, the mirror arms are thin as hell and then you've got, like, the the hole in the middle so there's not actually anything in the way. I mean, surely get it. I mean, like, you know, giant chunks of plastic like the Mercedes mirrors I might get, but, like, it's not like Volvo mirrors get in the way, is it? I mean, surely can't. It surely no, can't be that bad in fuel mileage. No, they, they did an experiment at Volvo where you had to go and stand in this spot, but you're two feet in the spot and there'd be a mirror in front of you off to your, uh, your left-hand side because it'd be a left-hand drive truck. And... The, the guy said, now, when you're standing here, there was a picture of a family walking across a pedestrian crossing. Uh, and the guy was like, so when you're stood here looking at this mirror, tell me, you won't be able to see them. And I'm like, no, I, I can see them. <laughs> they're not they're not completely I can't see every single piece of their body but I can I can clearly see that they're there so it wasn't really a good demonstration for the benefits of the camera but you know mirror cams are going to be uh, the subject of uh, considerable debate for a long time to come I mean to be fair manual gearboxes uh, well automatic gearboxes are still subject to a big debate but they're not they're, they're not um 
you know, you can't get them anymore. It's kind of in less rare cases, you know, they're pretty much a thing of the past for most most drivers, and at least with the auto boxes, you know, manuals aren't generally missed. It's hard to it, it's hard to uh, drive uh, your latest eye shift or overdrive or tracks in and think this is terrible because they are very good now. Yeah, so, say like the well the. The day after I had at the range, that uh, the that was a nineteen place that had the tracks in it, which was rather rather nice. But then when I left and uh, went on the tippers, I had the the fifteen plate man, and that had, uh-huh. yeah, that had, that had the old gearbox in it. I mean, it'd go up the gears fine, but it had this weird glitch on it where it wouldn't actually go down, so I had to always shift down manually. I think that truck may have just been built on a Friday afternoon. I mean, the other the other three trucks that he ran didn't do it. It was just that one that one I had. I actually remember having quite varied shift quality with the old AS Tronics. Um, I remember driving a, a variety of Euro 5 XFs and CFs off of roughly the same place. And there would be one or two of them that would shift brilliantly. And other ones, I don't know if they're needing like a, quite possibly needing a, a complete software reset or an update or something like that. But they were just honking things. You would have them in manual mode, and you'd be flicking the lever up and down, down all night. It used to, my heart used to sink every time you'd, because a lot of the, back then you would be climbing up into the cabin. At that time, you weren't sure what was going to be there waiting for you, so you could open the cab door, and there might be a manual gear lever sitting there waiting for you. Remember that a couple of times on Mercedes Axors and MAN TGXs. I opened the door, I'm like, yeah, dancer, it's got a gear stick in it. Hey. Um, I was obviously in the minority doing that even back then in the early 2010s. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, when I uh, parked at Coney Garth last night, I've uh, seen, seen him about. It was uh, a Mark 1 black Ren- Renault Premium, and that, that were a manual. And like, a, he's got. He's got air on the uh, obviously west western side of Scotland on the sun visor. I mean, I don't know whether it's just one guy running it who refuses to buy anything else, or it's like a a spare one of spare it? one of it. I've just I've just, just sent you it now if you, if you want to have a look. A Mark One Premium. That's that is the truck I passed my Class Two in or my Class C rigid. Mm. It's eight speed knockover box. Of course, the, the Arctic that they had was the knockover and it just did the flick switch on it. I liked the knockover gearboxes, apart from first thing in the morning when the gear oil would appear to be cold and it would be very clunky, but I, I liked them. I thought there was a real kind of satisfaction for going bunk, bunk, slapping it back and forth through the gate. Oh, that's cool. That's cool, that. So who had that? Eh, uh, was... GOS Portiers, it says, says they're from air. I've seen it seen it on the 74 a couple of times, but I've never actually, I just happened to park next to it last night and get, get a closer look. And George S. Portiers. That's the one. Uh, yeah, let's, anybody knows him, give him a shout. I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to do something in um, trucking driver as well, perhaps a, a general sort of feature looking at just, not just British trucks, but older trucks in general that are still carrying on. And by older, by older, I mean anything, oh, anything older than a Euro six. Yeah, I mean, there's the uh, so, there's the guy who's still running the uh, Renault Major on ferry freight, like the the uh, Bayesian blue Bayesian blue one. And then uh, I, I had to laugh because uh, someone posted that yeah, he had to buy something more modern, and it was like a '57 Reg TGA, and I'm like well, that's still not modern enough. <laughs> no. Well, TGAs, TGAs were, I think, a victim of that. Euro. When did TGAs finish up? 2006? Mm, 2008, uh, I think. The TGX came out in 2008. Yeah, the TGA was definitely um, a victim of live hard, die young. And I would imagine that the ULA's threats would have got rid of there because they, they vanished overnight. Same with MP3 actresses, which I know are very popular with exporters, but they just disappeared as soon as the MP4 came in. Um, so anyway, the TGAs, MP3s, Renault Premiums. Well, so you've got the you've got old Australises as well, although they all kind of look pretty much the same, even right through to the right through to the end. Can it the more less less fashionable, perhaps Euro Five DAF CFs. A CF can look really good if it gets a bit of love. A couple of light bars on it, space cabbed up and, and things. Not as nice as a Ford and Alpha, but all the same. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like my CF. I mean, the well, when I when I first started at the range, they had uh, a mix of the the old shape and the new shape Scanias, and then everyone cried when they got rid of the Scanias and into Daff. And it's like, well, I like mine because uh, I I was the idiot that everyone took the Mickey out of because while they were there waiting to get loaded, I was there with like the Milwaukee gun polishing the tank on it. It's like, well, if I look after it, it will it won't be it won't look crap, same as what all the other ones do. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, those those Euro Five manual dafts are great things. I mean, they, kind of, they made a good engine noise off them. Those they were really satisfying to drive with the pshh, right, all the noises that you would get off the, the air operated uh, gear lever. I, I, I liked them a lot. The five the five ten XF were manual box that made a, that had a good rip off it for a completely bog standard lorry. So, yeah, there's those. What else is there that's a bit old? They don't, they obviously, Volvo FHV3s. Don't see many of them because they're Euro 5. Yeah, these are trucks that were on the road and everywhere, everywhere. Just a very few short years ago that have been scrubbed. But there obviously must be must be nice ones knocking about here, here and there. Yeah, so. it's, it's, rare, it's rare to even see a, to even see a Stralis now. Like, even... Even like a highway Stralis, it's still rare to see them because everyone's everyone's got an S way now. Yeah, I've weirdly enough, it, I I was thinking that last week, and weirdly I, I saw about six Stralises coming up the road, starting for like a couple. Of, there was a sixty-one and a fifty-nine, but they were kind of like looked like bangers and containers. And and then I did notice a, I did notice a couple of later ones as well, like the X, the, the black front ones. The, the XPs that weren't around for very long. A, re, a real wolf in sleep's clothing, a wolf in sheep's clothing truck, if you can get one, is that Stralis 570 XP. That's got the full S-way driveline underneath it with a Stralis cab. And I reckon that, I reckon Iveco calmed down like the software on them. They kind of chilled them out a bit. Those early 570s, like in the Stralis and the very first S-way that I drove, they were like, whoosh. I was like, "This is brilliant. This is this puts a smile on your face way too much." And I think they kind of um, made them a bit more. Uh, well, they did. They would have tweaked them as they moved from Euro Six C to E to D, whatever. But I think those earlier ones were really wild. Like they were great fun. And having the sort of Stralis being the most unfashionable truck at the time, you know, getting one over on someday we are we are five seven we are five seventy Stralis, which nobody would expect you to have. Take a lot. Of, Glean a lot of satisfaction from that, you know. When the underdogs, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that'll be one you'd buy it, and then you'd t- take the badges off, and then uh, nobody knows what's in it. You absolutely nail past them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting quite. I'm getting nostalgic for all, all these old, all these old trucks. You see, that that's why it's so important for guys like the, the legendary Peter Davies and all these other amazing truck photographers that are out there photographing trucks day in day out. Because when you're photographing it at the time, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Who cares about some fleet truck running down the the M one one afternoon in January but as time goes on these becomes like of historical importance you are capturing social history industrial history as it goes on even with the things in the background like the, the cars and the, the the buildings and architecture I would say to photographers it's worth sometimes if you can get away from a motorway setting into a more kind of urban sort of sort of area where you've got villages and backgrounds and things and a lot of what's going on in the background can add quite a lot to photography as well. Not that I'm telling dedicated truck photographers how to do their job but um, always found, always found that interesting when you go away, you get your photos and then you look back and you're like, oh look at that I've got in the background, look at this because stuff, stuff's always changing, it's never around for very long. Yeah and it's uh, when I was going to say when I'm uh, mincing around Dunfermline and that there's uh I ain't seen it for a bit, but I used to see it quite regularly. There's an, e- an EC, a flat roof EC with an air kit pulling a scrap bulker, and it's like it looks like it's never been painted or washed since they were new. And like the, it's he's had a replacement driver's door on it. It's still got like half of his name and half of the company's name that he uh, got off the scrap wagon. And it's like it's like well, you know that that wagon's got history the same as anything else. And it's like nowadays, like well, if you get if you're binning it off after three years, I mean, where's the history gonna go? I'm kind of kind of nerdy like that. I like yeah. I like I like seeing the history of things. No, I th- I think I know the truck that you mean. I think it is uh, James Rickey. 
Uh, it, like it could uh, be the one, yeah. It's like it's like. Yeah, I love I love this. Yeah, it used to, used to be used to be blue once upon a time. It's still parts of blue on it. Yeah, that's. I've just found a picture of it, but it's on Flickr, and Flickr wants to go and put loads of stupid pop ups because I'm not logged into. Yes, I've known. Yeah, I've known. That's an excellent candidate for that. Good, right at the the tail end of this podcast. We've come, I just recalled something that we should go and see about for a British issue because that truck has been running about for such a long time. I hope it still is. Uh, yeah, it's James Ricky Transport. It's a blue with a white roof with a red bumper. Uh, and in that picture there, it looks like it's got a green box tail lift, but I think it does pull a variety of trailers. Yeah, I've, uh, I've only ever seen it with a, with a scrap bulker on. So. Because there is a there is there is that big scrap he had it in the key, and I don't know if he's got out to do with that. There we go. Yes, there it's there. There it's there. In fact, there's more than one there, although we don't know how long the photographs are on it. That one looks like that's not an Olympic. That's just a wind kit. Mm, no, it's a flat flat roof with a flat roof with a wind with a wind kit on. I've, I've passed it a couple of times, and you can see like the gap in the roof. King Lassie Fife. Now the thing is that truck that EC eleven. We all know from the many reports we've had back that the Cummins M11 engine can hit emissions levels on high Euro 5. They're almost capable of doing Euro 6, and that's straight from the mouths of some operators, and more than one operator that I've spoken to about that. Now, if you think about it, that truck has long ago paid off its carbon debt to the world. That is true environmental friendliness and sustainability running an old ERF forever. Obviously, you've got to have a real willingness to want to do that. <laughs> it's not going to be progress for everybody. But anyway, yeah, it's two different trucks. That One's an X-Reg, one's a V-Reg. All right. Yeah, as you say, my, uh, my EC10 on the emissions test, that was, I think, like, the limit was 3.0 and the EC and the EC was like 1.2, and it's like, well, this this thing's like 30-year-old, and well, it's supposed to be the work of the de- work of the devil, but it's not even halfway near the threshold. The spawn of Satan, and an old lorry, I read. Now, that, yeah, there's two different ones. One's there, the, ones, the green scrap bulker's got the air kit on it. If you type in Riki, the funny thing is, do you know what Riki in, in Scottish slang means smoky? Like, ugh, there's, a amount, there's a right amount of reek coming out of that. Uh, but yeah, on Google image search, there's one, two, three, four, five. So oh, there's dozens, dozens of pictures of it. It must be a truck spotter's favourite. There's a picture of um, the one with the air kit with a low loader on it. Full steam for railway enthusiasts after crowdfunding appeal. That must be at the Dunfermline Transport Museum thing. Okay. Uh, this has gone on for well over an hour now, Now, Thank you very much for your time. It's been uh, great to catch up with you, and uh, I hope the rest of your week goes to plan. Yes, uh, I, do. I do too, but then it's, uh, it's only Wednesday tomorrow. Anything can happen. Ah, it's only Wednesday. I've got some writing. Yes, it's a writing. The first time I've been home for uh, three weeks with my uh, gallivanting to drive trucks, do press releases, and go and visit hauliers and things. That's how my job's actually supposed to be, rather than sitting in the house all the time. Well, hey. Right, okay, take care, everybody. Thank you. Stay well. And uh, check out that um, check out that TomTom link that we've got in the, the podcast as well, because I've just noticed that they're moving their sat-nav to make it available as an app on your phone, which will be interesting. So, thanks again, Niall. I will catch you again soon. All right, see you after. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to the Trucking Driver Podcast, proudly sponsored by TomTom. As a special thanks to our listeners for trucking through the holiday season, we're giving away one month free of TomTom Go Navigation Truck. Simply download the Go Navigation app and use the code TRUCKYEAH. That's T-R-U-C-K-Y-E-A-H when subscribing. Safe travels, folks.